Just waiting for this fucking construction to be over. Yeah. How's it going? So all the demo was done last week and this past week they finished um well, over the weekend really they finished framing. Demolition I guess was two weeks ago. And this weekend they framed and the electrician came the last couple of days and the plumbers were also here the last couple of days, so I think we're mostly square with um with all that i just got to get the attic insulated and you know has the bathroom as well and a little bit of sheetrock a little bit of paint and then we can do like the little fine tuning with getting uh the vanity and whatnot in but oh yeah man you're getting there but i'm just so tired of sleeping on the couch oh god that's gotta be awful yeah we have new couches so like you guys both like just sleeping on like opposite couches no, we got like those sectional couches, so oh, they that's just good. yeah they like click into different shapes. So we used to just have it set up as like a big L, and then on the L, you know, the bottom part of the L or the, the yeah the bottom part of the L, mm-hmm. I guess it, that's where we had like the mega chase part of it. We had uh, the little L swing into where the ottoman was also, so it was just this big square area. But let me ask you something. Yeah, has. Have your dogs completely fucked up that sectional yet? No, surprisingly, no. Dude, my, par- my parents' dogs fucked up their sectional as soon. Like they got the sectional, had it for like a good year, year and a half maybe, and then bought like one puppy that went wild, and then like a second uh, puppy came in like six months later that's also has it, her moment to being crazy, um, and that thing is just torn to shit now. It's you just know, debris. Honestly, they haven't been bad, and I mean they're maniacs, but they aren't like destructive maniacs. The the worst that I've had them do was I made the mistake of trusting them. I think it was last month because Mason got done teething and Mello wasn't showing any signs of biting anything that wasn't a toy. So for like two days in a row, we left them like out of their like they have this big playpen, and we left them out of it. They did fine because we just ran out for like two hours. They didn't bite anything. It was good. So then we're like, you know, and that was a Sunday, the second day. So we're like, you know what? Let's just try it when we go to work, see how they do. I don't know why it didn't occur to us to block off one thing in particular, which was this nice piano that we have in the corner. Oh, no. But, but yeah, but it just didn't. So they scratched the hell out of it, like the bench. Oh, man. But it, it was the bench mostly. And then they got like a little chunk of the actual piano. So like the bench, I'm not all that concerned about. It's the actual piano I would be. But that was the only thing they really tore up i mean they'll like try to bite the leg of a chair here and there but yeah. you know so they are really like these destructive monsters outside of like a quick little flash or a quick little moment but well i guess that means you're good i mean they're both old enough now where they probably would be i mean the yeah. good the reason you got to get two puppies is that they just take it out on each other they just pound each other yeah, all that's day. what my fucking folks thought too uh, they i mean that certainly happened yeah that's her. They one of them is just a monster, an absolute monster, tracking mud all through the house. She sent me pictures today of a uh, pup just dragging mud all through the house, just everywhere. Fucking snowstorm really got them. And the other one likes to try to escape. Like she climbed um, when there was a snowstorm back in like December or January. She climbed up the like snow hill that made was made by the fence. Mm-hmm. Like just climbed over it like it was a ramp and then walked over the fence and then went down to the schoolyard. And then when we first got her, she was real skittish too. And then we have like a little um um shed underneath the like a second story deck. And then like there's a first story deck that's a little lower than the shed and a deck box in between. And the dog just walked that like stairs and then I like came home and found her on top of the shed. Hmm. What the fuck? Like, just, yeah. just, just chill. Just stay here. It's like a cat. Sounds like right? a cat. Yeah, I mean, oh that's not God. very, that's not very dog-like. That sounds exactly oh like, like a cat. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Whatever. I love those pups. They're, they're like, not even two years old yet, and my folks got them. Yeah, like last year. So just every time I go home, every time I'm back in New York, it's, it's so much fun hanging out with those dogs. I don't care. I've like put off so many friends just to hang out with those dogs. Welcome. Yep. I, I, I think that's all I do. I, I make plans. And I'm like, ah, I got this thing. And the thing is really just me yep. sitting on the couch with the dogs. 
Oh boy. All right, buddy. Let's do a podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the TKW podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. He's Kyle Maggio. What's going on? And uh, we had a good episode last time around. I really enjoyed our uh, our rankings or going our breakdown of every player on the roster uh, that went to like two and a half hours long, and we had to do it into two pieces. But shouts to uh, Matt and Bailey for being on that one, because that was a lot of fun. It was. Um, so couple of a uh, couple of weeks left in the season. I was going to say let's start with this JD and the sh- straight shot thing, but I got to be honest, I couldn't even bring myself to watch it. Yeah, um I, I did briefly before. I did. Uh, it basically induced vomit. Yeah, I I didn't need mouth, that so. in my day. Far too yeah. busy. Um in the words of our good pal Clem from Barstool, um good guy. Jimmy Fallon has been rebuked. Yeah, so, I I I have no nothing left for him. It's it's, you know what gets me is is the band is not good. So right, he, he's a billionaire. So how much money did he pay to basically get on the show? I'm sure he didn't pay anything, but he's just cashing a favor. Was it NBC? Fallon? Yeah, he's probably just cashing in a favor to some uh somebody he knows at NBC. That's all. That's all it takes. It's tragic. It's tragic. That's all it takes, man. He's on another plane. He just stinks. He, he the worst. How it, much it, is he a billionaire? He's got to be. The he's worst billionaire be. in the world. Yeah, I guess so. If, it, he, if what, he owns a Knicks, they're worth at least uh, at least what two and a half billion now. Nothing pains me more than seeing something bring James Dolan joy. Yeah, it's and really. He, and he, if you watch the, the video, he's just having a fucking blast. And it physically hurt me to watch that. I, I feel stupider having had to watch that. All right. Since you've seen the band perform, um, how much do you think the... Who do you think the highest paid musician is in his, in his band? And how much do you think they're making? At least. I mean, if it's anything like... He like who's he relying on in that band? It, bro, it felt like anybody else. Okay, so all right, let's give it even playing field. On average, how much do you think he's paying each performer? At least a million each. I mean, if it's anything like if it's anything like he pays the Knicks, he's got to be grossly overpaying each member from not just the yeah. performers, but the production team. Um, is so they, he has a social media. What, account. what do you think he's bankrolling more, JD and the Straight Shot or the New York Knicks? Actually, no. He's obviously giving the Knicks more money. Let's put it more like this. What do you think he's? Who do you think he's paying more? Is he paying the Rangers roster more, or is he paying the, or is he bankrolling his musicianship more? I think he's just simply funding his his music, his musical hobby with the profits that he makes from the Knicks. I think that's all that this really comes down to. I think he he makes his money there, and then all he does is burn. I don't. I don't even know how much. But uh, a ton of it on his band because I've seen. Look, he got into the Fallon show for no good reason. For no good reason. If good you're friends. not well versed, yeah. If you're not well versed with the Knicks, there's no chance. If you're just a casual, that you know who JD and the Straight Shot is. There's no fucking chance. So, so there's that. And I, I, I just don't know. I mean, I've seen promoted tweets on the timeline before. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. Oh, I. So, I I've seen I, I'll, great photo shoots of them. I've seen music videos posted places. Like he, he's putting significant amount of money into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would, I, I don't know, millions, millions of dollars. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, honest to God, I could see him putting eight figures at least into his musicianship right now. At least. There's a legitimate chance that he pays them close to what he pays the Rangers. I'm telling you, I I, I believe it. I be, I really honestly believe it. All right, let's, let's get away from uh, James Dolan. 
Thanks for. Uh, I don't. Is this a a moment of comic relief for us, or is it just too horrific that it's just another knock on the season? Anything he does, is to, it, it provides no comic relief. It's always miserable and sad. Okay. Well, in that case. And did you see the name of the song that they were performing? I, I don't know if it, it, Shambhala. I did not know that. That. And he and he sings in the beginning of it, which is even it's even more troubling. Oh, I thought he was the singer of the band. Like totally. He is. He is. But like, he like opens with. I wouldn't say it's um. What's the word I'm looking for? It's not a cappella, but he opens to like a really light. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's just like him carrying the burden of the song. Dramatic. It's a build yeah. up. But he's just he's terrible. It's just it's just great, like man. he doesn't actually sing. It's just him talking. Oh, yeah, sure. God damn. All right. For, uh, no, imagine, no more. No, we can't. Imagine. Imagine the worst country song you've ever heard. Just imagine it. Just so, get in your brain. I, I've got plenty. Okay, so so whatever one that just came to your mind right now, imagine that, but worse. So much worse. Ugh. You know what I think the worst country song might actually be? I, I can't remember who sings it, but she thinks my tractor is sexy. Oh, I don't I know the song because it's just notoriously it's, it's bad. It's been but... there, yeah. It's it's been out there. God damn it. Oh. You know what the best part about this is before we move on? Yeah. Guess how many views after being on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon? Guess how many views his video got? Definitely less than dollars he put into it. For sure. Take take a guess. Well, what do you think? Thirty thousand. You you would think it'd be up there, right? I mean, Eight, I would think it'd be much higher than that. I'm aiming I'm aiming real low. Eight thousand six hundred and seventy nine. He has a hundred and thirteen thumbs up and eighty five thumbs down. <laughs> Now that, that ratio is shocking to me. It's yeah. I mean, we can move right on now. Let's see. Do we need to talk about this ESPN graphic today? Briefly. Okay. Briefly. 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 Let's just, let's frame it like this. So obviously it's easy to make a graphic like that, put it on ESPN and get a whole bunch of Knicks fans riled up. You know, we've kind of tapered off as the season's gone on a little bit, less active Knicks fans. ESPN needs to regain them because it's a big market and boom, they leave Chris stops off of this top five young player, whatever it is, graphic. And, you know, agree, agree or disagree. I think we have a, a one that we heavily disagree with. Am I wrong? There is no universe. <laughs> there is no reality where Nikola Jokic, the Denver Nuggets, is a better all-around prospect than Chris Porzingis. There's just not. So who, and, so who do you take right now? What's that? Who do you take? Oh, over Chris Stops. Who like Th- those other four were fine choices. Right. I think, we I, think can be... I think it was I think it was uh, Giannis Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. And who is who's fourth? Giannis Embiid, Towns, and Davis. Davis. Yeah, I mean those are those are honestly fine. I think um, every one of them are better than Kristaps, or look like they'll probably have better careers than Kristaps. I mean, they're varying degrees of better. I think the the closest one he's to is Carl Anthony Towns, and I think Carl Anthony Towns is still somewhat comfortably ahead of him. I would I say, think, like, I think at the beginning of the year when Chris Dabbs came out on absolute fire for a month and a half, it was an actual debate. But, you know, given KP's elite rim protection skills. Also, but, he tore his ACL a couple of weeks ago. Which, which, when I, in fairness to ESPN, before we just keep doing this for the sake of being outraged, I, when I read their summary, they had him tied at six and said the only reason he's not in the top five was for durability reasons. And <laughs> I think that's still kind of silly. I could, I would like, because in three seasons, basically in three, because they said he's missed thirty three games in his three seasons, and I think that was before the ACL. I was gonna say if they're or counting the ACL games in there, that is that even, is pulling that together. I think it might have been. Well, actually, I think it might have just been included the ACL. But in any case, with or without it, three seasons, 
of that, of 33 games, is like 10 or so games, 11 games a season, which to me doesn't really seem like it's a durability issue. Like that's basically basically what Tim Duncan has missed the last or had missed the last 10 or so years just from resting and whatnot too. Like just sitting out a lot of those games wasn't because he broke something or tore something. It was just like, he's got a sore D he's a 19 year old seven footer. We're going to be cautious. Like some of those came at the end of seasons where there was no need to rush him back. Like I think just that was a really quick way to look at it. Now, if you just simply said, Hey, he just tore his ACL. He's 22 years old for durability reasons. We're going to keep him out. If that's the argument. Okay. But citing 33 games that he's missed when that's skewed with the ACL. And also just, if you, we, we've watched all the games. We know some of those games that he could have played. They chose not to rush him back, you know, for different reasons one time or another. It just seemed kind of, it just seemed kind of lazy to yeah. just use that as the, and it's a valid excuse if you use the ACL, but the way they, yeah, phrase I, it, no, I, I agree with you. Here's the thing. And then we can, cause we don't have to, the, you know, us doing this right now is giving them exactly what they want. But, um, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, I, the way, you know, all of these rankings, anytime you rank players like this, like every player is unique and has a unique skill set and varying levels of that skill set and whatever. But, you know, we, we rank them to try to cause a stir. This is obviously what's happening. There's probably five or six players in the NBA who are going to be better than Kristaps. Doesn't mean that Kristaps is in the lead. There's probably, you know, five or six guys in a lot of different categories. There's probably more than that in a lot of categories that are going to be better than Kristaps. And then Kristaps is going to be so much better than most players in a bunch of other categories, too. He, you know, mm-hmm. young. He's 22. He's gonna. He's still growing into his game, and now he has to redevelop it all entirely over the next year. Listen, as far yeah, as as far as I've been told from the Twitter machine, KP is who he is. Roughly, he has so much room for development to go on. Um, He needs to be more efficient. He needs to be all these things. Um, In no way is it a coaching failure or a scheme failure. However, when Nikola Jokic has shortcomings in his game it's mike malone and the coaching system failing Jokic, not Jokic yeah. failing to actually improve his lackadaisical defense yeah, or his he seems to be dodging a lot of blame in the media oh it's it's his time is coming i've been his leaving this time I've been, is coming no, I've, been, I've been leaving this bandwagon since last summer and i'm riding very high this morning <laughs> it, the perfect encapsulation i'm picturing of the, you this, like on a fucking horse with like a sword in the air like charging into Jokic's castle right now now let me let me just say this morning the, it was the perfect like two tweet summary of uh, me and Jokic's history because I woke up and I I saw that they lost <laughs> to the Cavs and every time they lose a game I do a thing where I I tweet the Jack Nicholson nodding gif where he you know he's just like looks like oh, an yeah, insane person it's, it's horrifying so so I said Nuggets lost to the Cavs question mark and then I put a bunch you know I put the gif right so then um where is it. So, so then I said, because then I started seeing uh, like Chris Towers from CBS start to be really defensive of, oh, you know, well, sorry, you know, he's not perfect. God forbid he can't be uh, not so good at defense. Like he, he was being really, really defensive about like the slightest criticism that it came up for Jokic. So I said, it's still wild how Jokic is the only player immune to criticism. Mind you, this is where I had the caveat. I said, mind you, I have no idea what happened last night's game to start it. But I already see the defensive tweets flying, and I, and then I said, any anytime someone tweets uh, where he can improve or what his flaws are, bloggers throw a hissy fit. So then our good friend of the pod, uh, James Holis, you know, at Snotty Dripping, he, he said, laugh my fucking ass off. I and then he put in quotations. I have no idea if he deserves to be criticized, but in all capitals, why can't we criticize him? <laughs> so I mean, that's the perfect encapsulation of where I'm at with him. It's just. If there's slander to be had, I'm ready to have the slander. I'm ready to dish it out. So, yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. I, yeah, I, I, I really like how you say that you and Jokic have this history or this relationship together as if it isn't totally one sided from you. It's totally unreasonably one sided.
Frank Nielakina is a starting point guard or a starting shooting guard, I guess, technically, for the New York Knicks. Um, Hornacek is running two point guard lineups again, like he was doing in Phoenix. Um, I'm kind of just curious if from what you've seen in the last couple of games, you know, congrats to Frank on starting and everything, but has having, it's just something I thought of today as having two ball handlers out there with the starters at this time, you know, whoever it is that we're looking for improvement from, have you noticed anything different about the way they're playing out there? Is Hornacek running anything differently? Or is it just kind of everyone seeing what they can get still? To me, it's mostly been the latter. I haven't seen it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm paying more attention Yeah. now. I, I don't have anything tangible that I took notes on, but I feel like I'm paying more attention. Like if I see something when there's the two guard sets out, I, I think that I've noticed something new when maybe in reality it's just I'm looking for it now and I wasn't looking for it before. But um, I haven't seen anything wild, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I really haven't noticed schematically much of a much of a change whatsoever, and it doesn't yeah. really seem like anybody's playing particularly better. No, I, that's kind of you know, I, I that's exactly the thing I've noticed too. Because I was kind of looking for when you know we saw that Frank was going to start and everything. I was like, I wonder if. There's going to be any similarities with all the, you know, with Hornacek and Phoenix when he actually, you know, the one time in his career they succeeded. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, there was nothing that's really stood out to me. It still just looks like, I mean, and reasonably so, I guess it is still just everybody trying to find a fit out there. And you're not, I don't think we're going to really see much chemistry or anything in the last 18 games. But I was just curious to see if you noticed them reacting in any kind of way. Uh, to the change of, of Frank being in starting lineup, or does it even really matter? Because we don't even know, you know, how many of these players are going to stick around with the team who's going to be in the starting lineup next year. So, I, I mean, I, I feel like the guards were more in that game against Portland. Anyway, I feel like the guards were more aggressive. That was one thing that I feel like I noticed, but it didn't translate into anything. Nobody could finish. Nobody was hitting any of their shots. It just seemed like. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I I feel like they were going for it. Maybe that was the new part of the scheme. Hornacek wanted them to attack more. So maybe that was a component to it, but I, I just felt like the yeah. results weren't there. And for the first game where Frank's starting with that dynamic, I, maybe we shouldn't have expected it on the road to Portland, but um, I, I don't know. I at least want to see a little bit more of those guys starting together and see what that gets them for. I mean, what is, what do we have? 18 games left. Yeah. Uh, 17 actually I think. 17. So I, hopefully we can keep that going for the remaining 16, 17 games and yeah, see, just so, see if it, it can work and, and benefit either one of them. Cause it didn't work in that first game. The other question that kind of comes to mind when I think about the change to the, to the lineup is obviously now Courtney Lee is taking a back seat again. Um, you know, he, if, the thing with he's always been a great role player in his career. And I think one of the reasons why he came to the Knicks and enjoyed the Knicks is because they gave him a bigger chance to, you know, be a starter, be a, a bigger component of a team. Uh, but now things are changed. Obviously he's taking a smaller role. He's going to be coming off the bench. Um, I don't know. Do you think that the Knicks should have like, he's obviously here. He made it through a trade deadline. Do you think that was the wrong move at this point? Do you think he's starting to regret not at, put, asking for a trade or something like that? Like I I'm just trying to think about this more. Cause I don't know if this is totally out of the blue or if this is something that they've been planning for a while here. I, when they didn't move him at the trade deadline, I was surprised. I felt like I know Carlo Quinn seemed to be the hotter commodity being a versatile big man, but Courtney just from, you know, just from his age, I felt like the Knicks were going to be compelled to get a deal done faster with him than they would be for O'Quinn. So I was more surprised that I didn't see the lead deal get done. But the more I think about it, it, I feel like maybe they had a couple of teams who were interested. They couldn't get anything together. And maybe they have something lined up for the summer. Like maybe they just said, you know what, you know, maybe they had like the groundwork for something. And for whatever reason, uh, they couldn't get other teams to pull the trigger, but maybe come draft time, they have something lined up or something in place. So I feel like, I feel like this summer he's got to move. 
I just yeah. don't think they're going to let him. And I, again, it's, it's a business. It's not really like they have to cater to just him, but I just don't think they're going to let another year of value go by with him. Like he's going to be 34, I think by the end of uh, next year. And why, why let him get to that point and then trade him as an expiring when you could just try to trade him while he's coming off a almost career high year. There's still a lot of value there. Contenders should be after him. I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of the big point here is that, you know, he's, he just had a career year at 33 years old or however, you know, 32, whatever. Like that doesn't happen very often. If the Knicks are serious about trying to rebuild and they know they're not going to get anywhere next year, like you kind of try to cash out on that anomaly. Like, I don't think he's going to be this good next year. I don't think he'll probably, he's going to have another year quite as good as this in his career. And maybe that lowers his value a little bit too. But, you know, you got to try to see what you can get for him. I, I guess at the draft, maybe it's easier than the deadline. And that's where they held on to him for a little bit. But we'll see. I, I definitely expect him to get moved at some point this summer. Yeah, I think that that's almost all the news that we got here. The only other thing is uh, old Timmy has been uh, actually picking his game up a little bit since the All-Star break. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been shooting 50% from the floor and averaging about 20 points per game, 20.1 actually. Um, so like we we're talking about 17 games left. Do you think, how is he looking out there to you? Do you think that he can keep something like this up to end the season on a high note and kind of make us feel a little bit better going into the off season about him? I'm sort of, I mean, two things. I mean, one, we knew his shooting numbers would kind of come back to earth. I mean, they plummeted, uh, for a while there. So by default, they were going to have to come back up to some degree. How high? I don't know. But, you know, since the All-Star break, he has been playing a lot better. And I think that's encouraging, not just for the sole fact that he's shooting better, but also that it's on the increased usage of him being basically the number one option in light of Chris Tapps being injured and missing the rest of the year. So um, as a whole, I've been pretty encouraged by that. Um yeah, I think for the year, even when he was playing really well, he was only averaging about 17 points or so. To see, but to see him over this last stretch kind of hit back up over 20 and, and doing it on that increased efficiency, that's kind of what you want to look for. You know, in a in a lost season here where we don't have much to go off of or much to find, some of the silver linings are going to be young guys sort of taking strides and improving. And if Timmy can improve, towards being a really good number one option or a decent number one option. That's, that's good for us in the long haul. I just wonder like what this says. I hope that you can keep this up a little bit. And because my biggest concern with him is his streakiness. Like the guy has never really been able to find a, a constant with the Knicks since he's been back at least like, he, he's either always riding a, a high streak or a low streak. I, I, I feel like I can't find a middle ground with Tim Hardaway Jr. Right. We need to see consistency. And hopefully right. that's what he get established now after the All-Star break. Right. That's all I want to see. I, that's all I'm wondering. If he can keep that up, then I feel much, much better about him going into the summertime. If not, then I think we may, you know, he's going to be a, a lingering concern. Season is winding down, my friend. Thankfully, after yeah. this, it's that painful February. Thankfully, yeah, that was that was brutal. Let's talk about real quick. Let's just take a look at the rest of the season. See a couple of games we have to play. Let's take a look at the rest of the schedule for the Knicks uh, for this season. We have the game tomorrow night against the Bucks, which will be tonight. By the time you all listen to this podcast. And yeah, it looks like they've got some some winnable games moving forward, which kind of sucks. Um, because the tank race is is just super close right now. Like I know that the Knicks are sitting in ninth place and everything, but God, it it's there's like what six teams that are tied with the same record right now, and the Knicks are only like four games below them. Yeah, I think there's 
there's six teams that are tied. And then for the ones that aren't tied, which is, I, I think it's whoever's in six and seven. I can read them off right now. So the Knicks are in ninth place with a 24 and 41 record. Um, below or above them is Chicago at 22 and 42. Dallas at 20 and 45, Sacramento at 2045, Atlanta 2045, Orlando 2045, Brooklyn, which goes to Cleveland at 2045, Phoenix at 19 and 47, and then Memphis at 18 and 46. So yeah, I just I think that you have one, two, three, four, five teams that are tied, and then the rest of them are like within two games of in either direction. Like, there's definitely an opportunity for the Knicks to lose a lot more games this season. We still have games against the Raptors coming up. We have games against, uh, let's see, the Wizards. The Wolves are going to be tough. We got the Bucks. We and we got two games against the Cavs at the end of the season. Like, we kind of have a lot of years, so. Plenty of opportunities to lose, but then we still have games against, you know, the Magic in there. We have games against, you know, a couple of games against the Sixers that we could probably lose, too. I feel really shitty for doing this right now, like, just saying, like, yeah, we have a good chance to be bad here, but... Yeah, but but honestly, look at who they're playing. I mean, Moutier was kind of relegated to the bench, or at least the furthest parts of the second unit in Denver, right? So on top of that, we have Frankie playing big minutes now, and as much as we maybe all believe in Frankie, or want to believe in Frankie, he's still 19 years old. So by the, he can be good for 19 years old. He's not going to be, you know, a very good player as a whole. Yeah, we'll, we're going to get to that. Yeah, it just is what it is. And it's not an indictment against Frank, but when you're as raw as he is at 19, you're just not good yet. You might do good things. You might have good tendencies, but actually being good, a good NBA player is a different story. So well, you're Frank playing big. What were you going to say? No, I was going to say if you want to use that as a segue and flip the script, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. So, to uh, since everybody out there seemed to enjoy our um, you know, breakdowns and the, when we were going through the, the players in the last podcast, we kind of wanted to uh, do, do something. All right. Uh, Ray from the Blue Shirts Breakaway Discord channel and I were chatting today and uh, a couple of other guys in the, in the channel as well talking about just who the best Knicks point guard is in the last 10 years, like, or at least since 2010 and just like trying to evaluate, like I, I went through it and we were going through the list today and we were just like, we knew that they were so bad, but we were just literally dumbfounded by how bad the point guards have been for the last eight years. How dare you slander Chris Duhon? No, I'm not even, I'm not even really counting Duhon in here. I'm going 2010 and after. How dare you slander second part Ray Felton? <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about that. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to go 20 through 11 and we're going to, we're going to I, I made a little ranking here. I'm going to see where Kyle agrees with me and disagrees with me. Feel free to yell at me whenever you want. I'm cool with that. Um, per the usual, we're going to go back and uh, hit memory lane a little bit. Uh, here's you're going to hear some names that you haven't heard in a long time. There's going to be some holy shit moments. Um, I'm going to do two honorable mentions right now who didn't make the cut. One is Chris Duhon. Um, shouts to him. 2009, right? Was was his last I think year, his last year was 2009, 2010. Okay. So technically, he same was a year. Yeah. Same year, honorable mention, Sergio Rod- Rodriguez. Oh. Yep. Often forgotten. Um, all right. Now that they're out of the way. I got to flip my notepad here. Took some notes. I also changed this order around a lot after collecting some stats on them. So, uh, so here we go. Number 20 for me. He played in 39 games and had four starts with a, uh, everything I'm doing is per hundred possessions too, but, uh, 97 offensive rating, 103 defensive seven are how many, was at 9.5 points, 7.4 assists, 1.9 steals, 28% from the field, 318 from three. What player do you think that is? And he's an honorable mention? No, no, he's a guy. He's number 20. He's my oh, he's 20, 20. The worst point guard since 2010. Hmm. 
He played in 2011 to 12, which is by far the worst point guard year for the Knicks. 11, 12. 11, also happened to coincide with. Oh uh, no! Is this is this Mike Bibby? It is Mike Bibby. Oh no, dude! He's the worst. He's literally the yeah, worst. Like, no, no, no. I, I now. I'm, all right, I'm gonna, let me no, be I'm gonna very agree. clear. I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree, but I just I know it's so the, sad. The, man. Oh, no, the oh no is because I enjoyed maybe like most of us. Um, you know, I'm 26 years old, so maybe most fans, NBA fans in our age gap, I enjoyed watching Mike Bibby in his prime. Right, caught caught a little bit of his so, prime. I feel you. So when he got asked to play big minutes for the last season or two of his NBA career, like that's not, I, I suppressed it from, you know, I, it's, it's gone in my memory. Yeah. I don't remember him that No, I, I feel you, dude. Even like, yeah, there it's, it's just really, really, really saddening. Um, also, I want to make a disclaimer right here that I should have made it at the start, but all of these rankings are like just based on their time as a Nick. Uh, Cause Nick's have had, have gotten a lot of washed up dudes. And unfortunately a lot of them rank pretty low on this list. Um, and also, yeah, there's going to be some that I know a lot of people aren't going to be happy about. But. Um, all right, I'm moving on to number 19. I think everyone will agree on this one. Jaron Grant played 76 games, had six starts, 97 offensive rating, 108 defensive, uh, 17.3 points per 100 possessions, 7.2 assists, 2.0 steals, and he shot 39% from the field and 22% from three. The Knicks gave up a give it gave up Tim Hardaway Jr. first time around to pick him, and then gave him right up for Derrick Rose. Kyle, how do you feel about Jaron Grant? How do I feel about him, or how do I feel about him being in the spot? Yeah, or just in, either. Yeah, both. Both sound good. Disappointed is the word, and and that's because a couple of reasons. I really that was during the stretch when I finally really kind of hunkered down and watched a ton of college ball. Like th- that was in a stretch of like three or four years where I just, ca- I watched it all the time. I never really enjoyed it, but just from watching prospects and I really, 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 really liked Jerry and Grant before he was even like a thing for the mix. Like I just genuinely enjoyed watching him in Notre Dame. He's very athletic for college ball, which is supposed to bode well for the NBA. He could penetrate really well. He was able to score. It just seemed like, like, wow, I mean, like, that'd be great if the Knicks can get him. I understand he's a little older, but he's a good athlete. And then we make a trade, which at the time, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time seemed like a home run because it's like, well, yeah, no, it was, you, you, it was you just turned Timmy, who was an underwhelming rookie at the time, a really underwhelming rookie. Uh, he wasn't a rookie. Well, I'm saying coming, I guess coming off the, the rookie he was, season. He like, was second, second year, I think. He, I think he played two years for New York. Right, but... Yeah, so that was my mistake. But he no, was no, still but, yeah, he was still young, and basically, we traded him. Who at that point he had disa- he had disappointed. He had a decent rookie year. And we got a that. little bit of a return on him. Honestly, he got picked yeah. like twenty third, twenty fourth. We got the eighteen. We got Grant with the eighteenth pick. Yeah, but even just getting a first, and you normally when a guy disappoints like that, you don't get a first. So that's why us getting a first, I was like, well, that's kind of good because normally when you give up on a guy who was a first round pick, you don't then get a yeah, first. Exactly. You get like a second you know, maybe a, a young flyer, uh, salary flyer, something like that. But so I, I liked it because I like Grant and then I liked the Timmy trade a lot. And then he just immediately like just watching him, he just didn't belong. Like he was 24, 25 that first season. And he got, he got some pretty good opportunities. He played in Derek Fisher's system, which while there were still triangle implemented into it was a much faster paced system than even Hornacek plays at today. So it just seemed like if he was going to succeed, it would have been then. And he did not succeed in almost any capacity. Right. And that was just really, really, really disappointing. So that's all I could think of. What about you? Okay. No, I mean, why, I, yeah, yeah, why I did just, you have him at 19? I, the reason I had him at 19 is because he just like, he just was disappointing. It's like you said, he just didn't impress. Um, you know, he, he had like, you know, he only played one year, so he only got a few opportunities, but you know, I think the Knicks were just, you know, they didn't see much from him at all. I didn't really see any flashes from him that whole year. Couldn't shoot for shit. I think the, you know, Knicks were just ready to move on. Cash him out for something else. And, like, you know, obviously when they traded for Derrick Rose, you know, that was Phil Jackson's move. 
and they thought they were getting something a lot more than what anyone else thought they were going to get. So that that was probably a no-brainer to them. Um, anyway, let's keep moving. No, no need to spend a ton of, ton of uh, time on Jaron Grant, but number 18, I had the man with the small hand, Shane Larkin. Played in 76 games, had 22 starts. Uh, a 102 slash 110 offensive defensive rating. Uh, 13.3 points per 100, 6.4 assists, 2.6 steals, 43% from the field, 30% from three. Kyle, what, do you have any memories of Shane Larkin you can throw out there? Honestly, just the tidy hands. Like, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he seemed like a like a good guy. He seemed like a fun guy. You I mean an easy guy to root for, and just didn't work out. I mean, I know he went away for a few years. He played overseas. He bounced around because with the Nets for a little while too. In Boston now. Yeah, I know he's in Boston now. So, I mean, he improved apparently while he was overseas to get the Boston deal. So good for him. But good for him. But when he was in New York, there there was nothing. He didn't really shoot well. I, I don't know. There there really just wasn't anything. Like we, again, it sort of reminds yeah. me of the situation now where we just kept acquiring young guys to try to like throw out into the court yes. and see if anything stuck and he didn't stick. Yeah. Fine with that. I I have nothing more to say on him. I have, I have no lasting memories of Shane Larkin. I wanted him to work out, but I, I, yeah. um, I think we have a couple of things to say about number 17, though. Uh, he's played in 81 games and has started 14 games. Two seasons with the Knicks. He has a 95 offensive rating and a 111 defensive rating. Uh, 11.5 points per 100, 6 points, 2 assists, 2.4 steals, 37% from the floor, 29% from three. Kyle, this is our man, Ron Baker. Oh, dude, I guess we're we're only going to classify him as point guard. I mean, like, he can be a two-guard, too, but I, I I view him more as a point guard. And, I mean, even the dog doesn't agree with this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you think no. he should be higher? Or? Um, no, no, I mean, he's perfectly placed. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he stinks. I've been big about this with Ron Baker. He stinks. Yep. He is here to get punched in the face. Occasionally, you're elbowed by Davis's uh, elbow. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, congrats on making the team. Congrats on all of your financial achievement. You, you ripped off of Phil Jackson and James Dolan. Really, you should be a hero, Ron Baker, because you've, honest to God, you've sucked it to James Dolan. I think we can all appreciate you for that. But uh, not, there's not much more going on here. Um. <laughs> Okay. I'm sorry, Kyle. I'm sorry in advance for this, but I'm ranking Frank at 16. Now, mind you, I'm not ranking Frank at 16 because I don't think that Frank is going to end up being much higher on this list. But I'm ranking Frank Nielkin at 16 because he has had a pretty rough rookie year. He's feeling himself out. Again, like none of this to me is, is be saying that he's going to be bad or that I think he's bad, but yeah, to read off the stats, he's played in 62 games and he's gotten a start in there now. Uh, but his offensive rating is 87 and his defensive rating is 111. Uh, that's real bad. But, you know, 13.2 points is, in, is pretty good. 7.5 assists per 100 is pretty good. Over two steals per 100, it's not, it's not bad either. His shooting really needs to improve. He's shooting 35% from the field and 32% from three. I do you disagree with me on having him here or no, no, it's, it's fair. I mean, we're obviously all very hopeful, but it's sort of, you know, like you said before that we kind of work back to that point. I made. he's not a good NBA player right now. He shows flashes. He shows encouraging things or traits or habits that he has in his game. But as far as being an actual good NBA player right now, he's just not, he's very raw. He's 19. He's got a lot to improve on. I mean, a lot of that's offensively, you know, defensively, we've seen 
much more consistent stretches from him, much more consistent games. But offensively, he's just not there right now. And Matt was talking about a little bit last week that his form is there. Everything looks good with that. So hope it's more hopeful that he can improve. But I think 16 is a perfectly reasonable spot for where he's at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I was expecting more fireworks on there. I'm not, not going to lie. But yeah, again, it, it's I don't want to project too far out. I can't rank him higher based on something he hasn't done yet. So that's where he is. You want to hear a blast from the past for number 15? Uh, sure do. I did tell me if you remember this name, Torrey Murray. Yeah, he was another like, I don't know. I mean, he. I guess he's like the Trey Burke category. Like, I think he was like a fringe guy. And then I, and I, I mean, Trey Burke isn't a fringe guy, but he became a fringe guy. And I just kind of had another easy guy to root for. I wanted him to succeed. I was hoping we found a sort of a diamond in the rough and we did not. No, we didn't. Uh, he played 51 games. Uh, he had a 93 and 109 offensive defensive rating split. Uh, he did put up 20 points for 100 possessions and had seven assists in there. Uh, and the, his shooting wasn't bad either. I mean, 43% from the field isn't great, but he was a 41% three point shooter. Um, so I, I think my only beef with this is that I would have swapped him and Frank because of context. Like Torre maybe statistically was a little bit better i guess but i'm just Frank- trying to avoid the recency bias here you know i i, I played around with that a lot too i just kind of went th- i kind of gave it to Torre in this situation because i was just i didn't want to come off as as being too biased here i mean the so far i mean it's not like a big big grape but that's like if i had any grapes so far with this list i would have swapped those two but that's it fair enough you know is that number 14 i do not my man b diddy Baron he Davis should, managed to play in 29 games. Baron Davis should be in the top 10 off the strength of just oh, being Baron Davis. I, listen, if anything, he's in the top 10 for just destroying his leg as he exited his next career. Like, salute to that, man. But He gave it all. He gave it all. He did Some, give it all. So what, what's the um, what's the troop saying that I, I, hate to, I hate to use for Baron Davis, but I'm going to try to do it anyway? Some gave... Uh, all gave some, some gave all. <laughs> oh my god! Um, well, he had a 88 offensive rating and a 102 defensive rating. Uh, he did. He was 15.4 points per 100 possessions, 11.7 assists for 100. It's pretty good looking. Uh, he shot 37 percent from the field. He shot 30 percent from three. Yeah, he was coming back. He was rehabbing. It was worth a shot, but he was just a little washed at that point. Um, anything, any, do you have any good B Diddy memories? He was my favorite when he was here. Man. I mean, like, I, think I was so stoked when he arrived because I love that dude, but it was just not what I was expecting. I think my favorite Baron Davis Nicks moment was when he did the weed smoking celebration. Do you remember that? He, he, oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I put he, that in my 420 did, piece last year. Yeah, he, he did his, the, the very obvious, uh, index finger to thumb connection to make that little rounded uh holding of a joint thing and then try to play it off as well no that was because i hit a three-pointer but it so very clearly was the marijuanas After we had B. Diddy in the fold, we had uh, number 13, Benno Udrick. Udrick? Udrick? Yeah. Uh, we played in 31 games, uh, started 12 of them, had a 104 offensive rating, 111 defensive, uh, 15 points per game per 100 possessions, sorry. Uh, almost 10 assists per 100, two steals, and then shot exactly 42.5% per 100. Uh, from the field for both field goal and three point percentage. Um, I he was cool. I liked Ben Udrick. I don't have too many huge memories of him, but he kind of just kind of came along. Oh, he was the guy who uh, I couldn't remember if it was he or Shved, like who came around at what time. But uh, 
Benno Udrich was the one who kind of just like requested a trade out because he wasn't getting as many minutes as he wanted. Yeah, but then he immediately went to the Grizzlies and like balled out. Yeah, yeah, that he he went and backed up Conley and then became like a super six man. And it was like, where the fuck was this? And it's because we're the Knicks, and that's just that's just the rules. That's just what happens. Who is what year was he? he was I think 20, he was no, I think he was thirteen, fourteen. Yeah, that year is like a completely lost like, year. To I, yeah, because I feel like everything about that year was incredibly disappointing because that was mm-hmm. when we had Bargani. Oh and God, that's right. That's why I blocked out that year. So, so like, so that whole team underachieved, and that like even the good things that we had, we didn't. They weren't good when they were with us. Like Benno or Bino was good as a whole. I mean, he went out west to the Grizzlies, who were a playoff contender at the time, and played well for them. But then for mm-hmm. us, he just didn't play well because we didn't give him the opportunities or the scheme to do so, or the rain to do so, I should say. But it is what it is. Yeah. Um, who is he competing with that year for minutes? 2013, 14 was Felton back. And I don't know. Whatever. Uh, all right. Ben Udrick at 13 coming in at 12. Uh, another recent addition to the team is Emmanuel Moutier. He's played in nine games and he's already better than eight point guards have been in the uh for their entire careers with the Knicks. That's saying something about how the last eight years have gone. But in his nine games he started six of them. He has an eighty six offensive rating and a one eleven defensive rating. Putting up eighteen point seven per hundred, ten point five assists, uh one point eight steals and shooting a really not great thirty three percent and twelve point five percent from three. Um, we've been talking about Moutier a lot lately. He's kind of, how has he looked with Frank next to him? I I think they're just kind of ill-fitting right now. I don't think, I think talent-wise, it can work to some degree. I think they could feel each other out. You know, they're so young enough, they're going to learn how to play off each other a little bit, but they haven't really looked good in any capacity right now. And, I mean, it doesn't help that one is just an absolute doormat defensively and the other one is pretty much only good defensively. Whereas Moody is supposed to be better at offense and he's barely even good at that right now. So it's just been a tough fit, especially at this point of the year without a training camp or any of that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're, I'm surprised that Moody is as high on this list as he is. I don't think we were expecting anything out of Moody for the rest of the year. Um, You know, it's like we've been talking about all season or since we got him. It's like we're going to have him for next season, too. You know, we're not going to get anywhere next season. His contract isn't that much. Even if you resign him after that, if he shows some some strike next season, I don't think he's going to get that great of a contract. But uh, yeah, I, I just he he's he's just like Trey Murray. He's just like, you know, Jaron Grant, some other and Shane Larkin, other guys are talking about like if he's another guy that feels to me like we're going to throw him at the ball. And if he sticks, it's great. And if not, you know, we have plenty of time to move on. Um, yeah. Anything else on uh Moutier? No, I mean, it's probably a little bit, I think it's a little soon to have him that high up, but talent, like I mean, talent, talent wise, I think he should be up, up this high, I guess, but results wise and what he's done, not just with the next but in the league, I, I can't. I don't know. Well, the Knicks that's have the only thing I can go off so of is what he's got with the Knicks is these nine games, and I mean, like they haven't been really great games by any stretch of the imagination. But he's at least able to run with the st- like. You got to remember how bad some of these guys were at points in, with you know with the Knicks. I'm yeah. I'm more shocked that Derrick Rose hasn't been brought up yet. Well, honestly, God, like I gotta stay a little realistic here. Let's let's keep moving on. We'll get to Derrick Rose. Um, all right, number eleven then. Uh, we we had him for quite a couple of years here. He played in 114 games. He started 114 of them. He ended off with a 109-111 offensive defensive rating, 14.6 points per 100, 7.8 assists, shot 44% from the field, 414 from three. Jose Calderon, step on up to the plate. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's fair. 
he's like, God, he was awful and I hated him. And it was just so sad to watch him go out and play 114 games and start in 114 games for us. But God, like, some of these other guys were like so longer, bad. It felt like way longer than 114 games. It did, dude. It felt like fucking five seasons. Like It felt like that Tyson Chandler trade happened a decade ago. Oh, man. Well, now he's, uh, what is he, fourth fiddle on the Cavs? I mean, if we're talking about strictly like pure point guard, um, floor general kind of stuff, where does he rank with, with this? It's like a quick sidebar because off the top of my head, it's probably like him, the season, the half season we had Chauncey Billups. Um, well, Raymond Felton part one. Right. And these are all guys that I considered. Uh, I, I put a lot of stock into that value. So I'm not going to answer your question yet. I'm going to save it for. That, that's fair. I was, I was just thinking out loud. I was like, because all these point guards are obviously different players. They do different things. Yes. But I was thinking like, just like a guy that you want to like. Control well, listen, the tempo a little bit. And, here's, here's my rationale over the last eight years is that the Knicks have had no problem finding players who can score. Um, so I put a little bit more value in, you know, playmaking and passing and, you know, the, the point guard skills that, you know, the traditional point guard skills, I guess, over scoring. And, you know, it's, it's like, I, as great of a scorer as a player can be like, there's, there's three quarter categories that I consider for Knicks point guards here. There's like the, there's the assisting ones. There's the floor generals. There's the, you know, get to the rim or dominant scorers. And then there's the guys who can do neither. And that's a lot of guys that we've gone through already. We're starting to get into guys who are a little bit more, you know, balanced or at least starting to head into that score starter category. But I did definitely put an emphasis on uh, guys who can run the floor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Calderon, again, Calderon was fine, I guess, for his point, that point in his career. Uh, there wasn't much of a roster for him to work with. So that kind of stinks. I know the the poor guy tried his best for while he was here, but it just wasn't. It's just ill time. Ill time. That's what I was just not, not a good fit. It just wasn't a good fit. Uh, basically, as a roster and uh, for the age, uh, the timeline of that the, the team. So it just wasn't wasn't good for multiple reasons. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's twenty through eleven. That's our quick rundown of those. Uh, we're going to be back with ten to the best point guard who has been on the Knicks. Uh, we'll be back with that next week. And Kyle, it seems like you have some crying or dying dogs. I can't tell which one. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to do my best here. These guys are just no. Ten to them. Go in peace. Um, I don't think we have anything else left to get to, do we? No, should be all. All right. Well, everyone, head to nickswall.com and remember to keep up. We have a lot of draft coverage going. Uh, Matter Days has been awesome. Every Saturday, uh, Matt Spendley from this site has been taken over the Twitter account while he watches uh, some potential prospects for the Knicks as they start to make their way through the tournament and as they've been kind of getting into some uh, position and everything like that. Um, and it's been great. It's been awesome. He's been doing a killer job with it. Uh, so when you're home on Saturday, you're bored, you're watching some college ball, check out the feed. Matt's on there uh, and he's killing it. So. Yeah, and uh, also make sure, obviously, make sure you keep up with Matter Days. Uh, just follow Matt um, just every other day, especially during March Madness. I know on his own account, he's doing a lot to just bring you guys any kind of footage, not just on Matter Days, but every other day of the week. So he's trying to get you guys all the potential Knicks prospects as much as possible. So uh, make sure you're following that. Make sure you're, you know, all caught up on and looking out for um, our own Mike Cortez's draft guide uh or uh, i think it's the is it the draft guide or yeah. is it the it, yeah the, it, more or less it's the draft guide it's a prospect watch yeah prospect watch so i mean he's been putting that out. i think there's been two versions of it so far make sure you just keep up with that as well it, there's not a lot to look forward to in a lost season here so we're all prospect watching so watch along with us watch along with matt follow along with mike and matt yeah they've been doing a great job for it um all right well, keep up with those. Uh, head to the merch store. We just uploaded some new designs there. Hopefully, uh, you guys like the St. Patrick's Day ones that we put up there. Um, 
yeah and we got some more cool stuff coming up before the end of the season so don't check out quite yet and then we'll even have some cool stuff for the summertime too so uh thanks everyone for listening and we will talk to you all soon all right take it easy